Together at the Table, the podcast from Integrity Music, where people around the world sit at their tables and talk about life in all its colors. Not to judge, but to love, share, listen, and learn. Whether you're rich or poor, we all sit at a table. And when we gather, everyone has a part to play in the conversation. So join us now as we share stories together at the table. Welcome to Together at the Table, where we gather to share stories and insights with extraordinary individuals. I'm your host, Andrew Phillips, and today we have the pleasure of introducing you to Dwan Hill. Now, Dwan is three-time Grammy Award-winning, two-time Dove Award-winning, two-time ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, musician, writer, and church leader. Duan is a member of worship communities Revere and Anchor Hymns with Integrity Music. Based in Nashville, Tennessee, he has toured worldwide as the music director for C.C. Winans, as well as uh, Lauren Daigle, Johnny Lang, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbours, and Torin Wells. He has two publishing companies, Big Buddy Music and Let Them Hear, and is an active Integrity Music writer. Dwan Hill is a prolific creative known for his alternative approach and unique style. He's also a speaker, has two number one gospel radio hits with Believe For It by CeCe Winans and He's My Rock by Bree Bonneau. Dwan hosts the Hey Wise Guy podcast as well and successfully launched The Choir Room, which I'm really looking forward to talking with Dwan about today. Dwan's most prized treasures are his wife, Laura, and their children, Tobin and Nyla. Dwan, welcome to the table. Thank you, Andrew. I'm glad to be here. We actually met briefly in Nashville earlier this year where you led a time of worship at uh, an Integrity Town Hall, and it was very moving indeed. Mm. Um, Today, you're live in the studios of Lasting Media in Nashville, and I'm in the cold UK, but we have a virtual <laughs> table. Yes. And this podcast is based on Luke eleven thirty seven, which is when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. And I always like to ask our guests to invite Jesus to our table today. Would you do that honor today? I'd be honored. Yes. Yes. Well, Father, Um, We thank you for this day and for the privilege to be able to be in your family. Um, You have made a way for us through your son, Jesus, for us to be at this table, a feast of your goodness and um, spirit of God. We invite you to this table to give us insight and revelation and wisdom um, and help. We are in times of need. We are in desperate need of your guidance and your strength. Um, And I just submit my will and my words to you, Lord, and pray that this podcast will be an encouragement 
to someone who's listening and would ultimately give you glory, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Dwan, the first question I'd like to uh, ask you is, could you talk us through the table you work at, the mm. things that you do, what your life is made up of and that table that you work at every day? Could you tell us a bit about yes, that? Yes, yes. Well, again, thank you, Andrew. It's an honor to be here. And um, I never thought I'd be able to sit on someone's podcast, man, it's, and say anything worth worth listening to. So thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm really grateful. Most of the work that I do these days um, is usually in the uh, church world. Um, I'm a worship pastor at Cross Point Church here in Nashville. Um, love my job. I'm able to lead um, six campuses in um, raising up worship leaders and leading worship on Sundays and different days of the week. So that, that takes up um, a, a lot of my time. Um, and then I'm also a songwriter. So I get to sit in rooms with other artists and songwriters and, and talk about um, what's close to their heart. Um, and specifically, we, I write a lot of songs for church, for liturgical and corporate worship settings. Um, recently, I've been uh, humbled to be able to speak at different events and churches. That's uh, been a growing passion of mine. So doing a little bit of traveling and, and talking about creativity and and what the Spirit of God can do through um, uh, creativity. And um, somewhere in all of that, uh, I got two little kids and a beautiful wife um, and uh, actually trying to give them more of my time <laughs> in recent days and weeks um, because I've, I'm learning that they're, they're the most important. So that's pretty much my life, man, in a nutshell. When I described the amazing amount of things that you do, um, that's a busy table. Yeah. And you're, you're having to do a lot of work on yourself and mm -hmm. also a lot of work with people. Mm -hmm. uh, in communities and churches, uh, and you are bringing people to a table as well. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a bit about that part of your life. Yeah, um, for some reason, I've always been in the middle of several circles of different kinds of people. I grew up in a uh, black church. My grandfather was a Baptist pastor on one side. My grandfather was a Pentecostal pastor on the other side. And uh, at the same time, I, I went to an all-white high school. Um, and so I, rem I remember days going to school where, if anyone remembers Birkenstocks, those shoes you used to wear, and maybe back in style now. Um, Birkenstocks I would have on on my way to school with a FUBU shirt, which is, uh, you know, for us, by us as an African-American brand. And uh, I would be thinking, man, can I wear this shirt in high school or should I take it off or I go to church? I mean, it was just very... It's just very interesting how in the middle of all of that, I was I was um, between different groups of people. Then I moved to Nashville and went to an all-black church again and went to Belmont, which is a, a great music school, um, but also major, majority white school. Um, and so I, I feel like I just can't escape kind of being a bridge between different kinds of people, um, both in the church world, the education world, and um, culturally, music world and all that. Um and so to answer your question, one of the things that we've started recently is this thing called the choir room that has been a lot of fun and has been another example of bringing people of, of different backgrounds and ages and ethnicities in the same room at the same table. So I guess it's a calling, man. At this point, I just need to accept <laughs> uh, um, 
I think what God has gifted me to do, which is to be a bridge between different groups of people. I had the pleasure of hearing you explain about the choir and how that vision came to you and you started it and 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 went about building it. Mm-hmm. But could you just tell us quickly again how you got that vision and burden to build that choir? Man, I, I can't believe what the choir room has done. I mean, it, a year and a half ago, uh, some friends and I were talking about how we missed gospel choir and choir in general. Um, a lot of us have been separated from each other for all the reasons in the last two years. And so we just felt like for that reason and just because we just miss being together in a musical sense, um, you know, a lot of us work in music or go to concerts and it just seemed like we weren't having enough experiences together uh, where everyone had a voice and a part. Um so long story short, man, I threw up a lot. I, I lobbed a prayer and I said, Lord, if you can give me a small room and a piano and an organ, I'll invite my friends to come sing and we'll just have a good time and, and have a one-off, you know? <laughs> and uh, um, God provided a room and a piano and an organ within a very short amount of time. So I had to come through on my side of the deal and I put an Instagram post up and uh, I thought 20 or 30 people would come and end up being 90 90 to 99 people in that room. That was a year and a half ago. And since then, we've met every couple of months and it's grown to over 3,000 people on the email list. And our events are around 600 people every time we meet. And these are people who are are doctors and nurses, stay-at-home moms, engineers, musicians and pastors and um, artists as well. Um, we sing in a round, so there's no stage. We sing in a round. We teach the songs. There's no performance or concert in a later date. What happens at that choir room is all that we do. And uh, man, people have been really responding to wanting to sing in choirs again. And um, I'm shocked, man. I'm in shock. Uh, we just recently did one in Austin, Texas. And last weekend we did one in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm telling you, man, I never thought I'd be a part of something like this, but it's a, it's a dream come true. It's incredible. And I've seen how you could bring a room together at mm. the town hall when I was there you were asked to lead worship, and you very quickly got us worshiping. Mm. Uh, you have, obviously, a real gift in that area. Mm-hmm. And the choir room is effectively a table, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's a big table where a whole yeah. lot of people sit around. No one is more important than another, That's and right. they all give and they all share. What are some of the feelings uh, you've you've had whilst being involved in the choir room? Um, feelings. It's funny you ask that question. Uh, my wife would say that I'm not the best at expressing my feelings. <laughs> I'm a very logical person. And I say that to say I'm having to work through naming and expressing what I'm feeling. And it's even harder in the choir room because, um, there's so many emotions happening. I mean, the primary one that most people mention is joy. Um, and this, exuberant um, joy that comes from not being pressured to be a performer, but be invited to be uh, a family member or a friend. Um, I feel personally, I just feel uh, satisfaction. I feel freedom. Um, I feel belonging. Um, I feel, I feel the presence of God and um, in different ways. Every time, every night is different. Um, but I, I do feel a lot of joy too. And I think the joy that I feel comes from doing what I, what I feel made to do, 
um, what's that, you know, kind of story and parable where the, the runner says he feels God when he runs, you know, some chariots of fire. Yeah. 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 The and missionary. Yeah, yes, that's story. right. That's right. I probably quoted that terribly, but, um, <laughs> the idea is that man, God made me to do, to do certain things. And I feel like the choir room, while it's not the only thing I was put on this, this earth to do, it's one of those things that's happening right now where there's no striving um, for me. There's no um, performance. I, I really feel like I can rest in what God made me to do. Um, so I, I would say I feel joy and satisfaction. I think those two are probably the best words I would use. Can I ask you about uh, the tables you've worked at with wonderful people like C.C. Winans, for example, mm-hmm. um, Lauren Daigle, mm-hmm. um, you know, Johnny Lang. We mentioned a few of those names. What does Dwan Hill bring when mm-hmm. he works with people like that? What does he bring to the table? Well, I, I think the the background that I mentioned, um, having a, a diverse spiritual background, having a diverse ethnic background, um, having a diverse musical background, um, I, I humbly, I think I just bring a, a perspective that's not quite like what maybe someone who is just in a Pentecostal church or just in a white school or just a musician. Um, for some reason, God has put me in these circles that when I walk into a new room, um, I think I have empathy for different kinds of people and different kinds of backgrounds. So when I'm talking to CeCe Winans, I have a, a vocabulary with her um, that can resonate with her. But when I'm in a room with Lauren Daigle, I have a, a vocabulary with her as well. Um, I think the challenge of that, uh, the weakness of that is trying to find uh, which vocabulary words are appropriate for which artist. And, you know, right now music in particular is becoming really kind of a melting pot melting pot of so many different genres. Um, Mm. So what I've had to do over the years, instead of being a chameleon and walking in the room and being anybody, I've tried to lean in and be more specific to what I do best, which in this season, most people call me to bring a soulful um, approach, a vocal and a keyboard approach to the room. So um, I'm not going to show up and play guitar. I'm not going to show up and, and, um, and bring a lot of country music ideas, but I will bring a lot of soulful choir, vocal, keyboard, organ ideas. Um, and thankfully, <laughs> to my benefit, those things are in style right now. <laughs> and those, those happen to be things that are people people want on their records, even if they're not doing soul music, they want the feeling of it. And um, I think I'm able to bring that. It's a difficult question to ask a singer and a songwriter uh, this, but I- I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay, I'm ready. Is is there a song of all the songs that you've been involved in? Hmm. You might have written it, you might not have written it, mm-hmm. but you might have played a part in it. But is there a song that has an incredible impact on you every time mm. you hear it or perform it? Yeah, I'll give you a couple options. One is, is a song I wrote um, not too long ago, less than a year ago. It's called Let It Be Your Will. And uh, it's not a very popular song. I put it out on my own. Um, And it's important to me because it describes a season in my life that was very hard. Um, There was a transition in my work and my church that was very difficult uh, for me and our family. And I had never walked through that kind of season before. I had never experienced that kind of um, pain before. 
And uh, my theology about the goodness of God wasn't matching the pain that I was going through. And um, I had to, I had to adjust my perception and perspective of God, Um, not to match the pain, but to honestly, to make God bigger than what I made him to be. My theology was too small. Um, My idea of the goodness of God was too small. And I saw the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in that season in ways I had never seen it before. And stories in the Bible stuck out to me differently than I had read before. Stories like Job, um, even stories like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's saying, let your will be done uh, or your will and not my will. And um, there's a passage in the book of Job that says, um, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And that, that phrase just jumped off the page as, wow, I can use that phrase um, and that idea, that concept to worship God even in a hard season. So that song is all about, um, even though I lose these things, even go, I go through hard trials, um, I know that God is good and his will is the best that I could trust. Um, so I'll say that. And then the second thing, man, I you know, believe for it, it's just, it's just a life-changing song, C.C. Wannis, you know. I've never had a song that's been that, um, influential in the world. And, uh, that song has been a blessing to me. Um, it's been a blessing to my career, my family. And thankfully I've heard a lot of people say it's been a blessing to them as well. So in terms of impact, I think that song would have to make the list as well. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Can we talk about some of your table traditions, Mm -hmm. like in your family and, uh, Maybe with your parents and so on and family. Yes. Any traditions that, that, that hold dear to you? Things that you try and always do when you're around the table? Yes, yes. Um, like I said, I grew up in a church family, so we pray for our food every time we eat. You know, it, I mean, sometimes it doesn't make sense because if you pray for McDonald's, does it make it any better? I don't know if it does. <laughs> but we pray for our food. Um, we uh, we usually talk about God at some point. And I mean, I was just at breakfast this morning. Today is my anniversary with my wife. And, uh, well, we congratulations. Were, thank you. Thank you. We're nine years married. And we were, I mean, one of the first things we talked about was um, the book of Genesis and, and, you know, what does that look like? <laughs> what is the book of Genesis about? So there's always a conversation about scripture at some point. And it's something new that, that I did not do with my parents, but we try to do with our kids um, is we ask for a high and a low from the day. Um, hmm. And this is brand new. We haven't done this consistently at all, but it's something my wife and I um, have tried to start, which is give me a high point of your day and give me a low point of your day. And we, we try to do that because um, when you ask your kids, how was your day? You're not going to get anything other than good or maybe not even that. <laughs> um, and so we try to ask deeper questions and um, try to get them to express more emotions, um, um, emotions of joy, but also emotions of disappointment and sadness, sadness and hurt so that we can enter in their lives and, and be a voice of comfort and safety for them, whether they're on a mountain or in a valley. Um, so that's what we try to do at our table. And if you go back to your childhood, when you sat at the table with with your parents, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I identify a little bit because my father was a Pentecostal preacher as well. Oh, okay, good. My late father, bless him. But yes, yes. So I, I remember going to church and then coming back for meals and yes, and so on. What were some of your experiences like? Oh man, I mean, we would we would have 
if there was one sermon preached at church, there was a second one preached at dinner. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> there was questions. What did you think about it? Um, you know, I mean, I'm thankful because my dad, you know, I wouldn't say he critiqued the sermon, but we would discuss it. And he would say, well, I, I agree with that point, but point three, I don't know. If, I don't, what do y'all think about that? Um, that really built my faith in a strong way. It gave me an eye for, and a love, honestly, for scripture and for preaching and for teaching that I use a lot right now. Um, and uh, yeah, man, you know, first of all, Pentecostal churches is long. So, uh, you know, it's not our 60 minute service. This is, this is two hours plus. So we were just inundated with the word of God. And again, we ate at church. So the table wasn't just at home. The table was at church. I don't, I don't know of many services that we did not have a full meal right after at the church. Um, and so those, those tables built community. They built, um, a family, um, I mean, I saw prayer happen at those tables. I saw people's needs met at those tables. I saw people cry and weep and laugh and sing. I mean, I just think those tables really, really fostered some really, really strong community. Hmm. Jesus often dined with those that were marginalized, mm-hmm. people that weren't accepted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that no one liked to be around. Mm-hmm. So how do you address that in, in your life? Mm. Well, I'll be honest. I, I don't address it as much as I should. Um, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we think that the enemy is attacking us in one way, but I think he actually is attacking us in this way quite often, which is complacency and comfort and not seeing people because we just don't have time to see them. So I've, I've been convicted, man. Um, I was just in a prayer meeting a couple of days ago talking about um, prison ministry. And I've had this opportunity to be in this prison for probably about a year and um, made some steps toward it, but haven't really focused on it. And you no, know, in the name of all the things, Sunday service and all the things, man, all the excuses we can make. Um, but I was convicted just two days ago about I need to really get into uh, prison just down the road here and show some love to them. Um the other side of it is sometimes I feel guilty for not doing what other people are doing. You know, maybe I should take a five mission trips around the world and maybe I should give away all of my money to an organization to feed the hungry. And those things are good. And if God has called you to do those, please do. Um, but I've, I've, I'm growing in the truth that the way that God has built me can be a way to serve people. And so, um, the choir room is an example of we have people that are hand, handicapped um, um, or I should say need special services that are handicapped. They, they're in the room who need a little extra help um, that would not be welcome in other spaces. Um, we have someone in the room who who is on the spectrum and uh, has been put out of other spaces but is welcomed in our room. Um, so there are young people, old people, there, there are people there who need to be seen. And while I'm not putting them on uh, display or waking up in the morning saying I'm going to serve them, somehow God is using the passion that I have to sing in a choir to make them see, make them be seen and valued. Um, so I think it's a two-answer two answer thing. One, I feel convicted to do more in ways that I'm not doing. 
but I'm also trying to lean into what I'm created to do and do those things faithfully. And I've seen God bless that um, and multiply that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Together at the table. The beauty of the heart of Christ available anywhere you stream music. The Beauty of the Heart of Christ, the new EP from Anchor Hymns, available now. Together at the table. Hi, Andrew Phillips here. We've put together a resource for you to take your podcast experience to the next level. You can now bring the heartwarming conversations from our podcast to your very own table. Introducing the Together at the Table PDF Listening Guide. This guide provides a deeper insight into our series and offers you the chance to host your very own Together at the Table gathering. Inside, you'll find all the thought-provoking questions we discuss in every episode. Use these questions to create meaningful conversations with your friends and family, just as we do on the podcast. It's a great way to connect and grow together. Download your copy now by going to integritymusic.com forward slash together at the table. We'd love you to share your responses with us. What insights did you gain and what conversations were sparked around your table? We've set up a voicemail so you can get in touch and tell us about your stories from your table. Call 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. We look forward to sharing your stories and thoughts on a future episode. Thank you for being part of this beautiful community. Together at the table. The tables in our lives, we always get to them at some point of the day. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how do we get to them? Mm -hmm. You know, from where we are, what we're doing work-wise or traveling, you you probably do a lot of traveling mm-hmm. in your great work. So you go away from home and then come back to home. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep your heart in a way that when you come back to that table at home uh, or with the Lord, that mm-hmm. you've you've put some work into how you feel and what you're thinking? Yeah, I think... Um... I mean, the way you asked that question made me think about a green room table versus my kitchen table. And uh, a green room table, if you're not familiar with that, you know, that's if you're an artist or a speaker or a guest in someone else's event, they usually have a room Mm -hmm. in the back where you have snacks and food and hang, which is great. I I enjoy those. But those usually aren't the same conversations you're having at your home table. Um, You know, I would say my home table keeps me humble. My kids, uh, for example, when I first um, was blessed to receive a Grammy Award and it came in the mail, um, I was excited to open the package, pull up, pull out all the wrapping paper and, and was showing my kids, like, look, I got a Grammy. And they were not paying attention to me. They were playing with the bubble wrap. And they were asking, Daddy, can we play with these bubble, this bubble wrap? And I was like, after you see my Grammy, you can. <laughs> and, but that's good. 
that's good because it it put in perspective praise god for the gifts and the award but my kids see me as dad and they don't need the grammy to have a relationship with me in fact sometimes um if i'm not careful my focus is on the work and not on them and so i try to um i try to use the home table either figuratively or literally I try to use the home table to keep myself in check about who I am and who God is and who my family is. And then honestly, the, the green room table, the work table, whether that's in a cafeteria or, or conference out of town somewhere, I think one of the biggest challenges at the work table is being careful of, of gossip and uh, criticism. Um, because I think those tables are prone to, um, in a negative way, open people up to comment on other things that they don't control or don't have a voice in. Um, when you're at home, that's your voice. Like you, you have authority there at work. You may not have the same authority or an agreement. You may not have the same. So I've just tried to have boundaries in the green room or the cafeteria or the work table and just really honor people as much as I can. Um, and, uh, you'd be surprised how much information you learn in the green room or at a cafeteria table, some of which you may not want to know <laughs> or should not know. Um, so I think, I think I try to be careful about that. Mm. Uh, what if I asked you this question, which is what do people say about you when you leave a table? Cause oh, you go man. to a lot of tables, right? Yeah. So yeah. what, what do you think people say or what would you hope people oh, might say? Oh man, I would pay a lot of money to know what people said about me after, <laughs> after I left. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question really well. I can tell you what I hope they say. I, I hope they say that I'm honest with them and that um, the person they meet at one table is the same person they met at another. Um, that um, I hope that my wife knows the same person that my boss knows. Um, and I hope at the end of my life, when people are comparing notes, <laughs> that they were like, yeah, I remember that too. Duan was, he, he said the same thing to me. I think I'm I'm hoping for consistency and authenticity and that even though I do wear different hats, I'm a dad and a husband in one event or situation, but then I'm a worship pastor or musician in another situation. I hope that this is one person switching hats and not different people uh, trying to be somebody that I'm not. If uh, you could leave something at the table something mm. that you wanted to give as a gift or mm. something you don't want to take back. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what would that be? What could it be? You know, I've, I'm in this Bible study on Wednesday mornings. We, we were there this morning and we've been reading and rereading Genesis one through three. And uh, this may sound like a, a seriously spiritual answer, but I have found a lot of value in asking hard questions um, about life and who I am and wrestling through that and having someone there to wrestle with me. If I could give a gift to somebody at the table, I would I would want to be a presence, um, a safe, non-anxious presence to help them ask hard questions. Um, because I think without hard questions or without the opportunity to be safe while you ask them, um, you either assume things or you create things and narratives that are, troublesome down the road um you know big questions like who am i why am i here um 
Um, where am I going? And uh, I think if you don't have somewhere to ask those questions, the table being probably the, one of the best place to do that, I, will, I would want my gift would, for that person, either as I'm sitting there, as I'm leaving, they would say, you know what? I've never asked anybody this. I've never, never been safe enough to ask this, but dot, dot, dot. I think that's what I would love to give to somebody. Mm. As you look back on time and uh, life, is there a moment you can remember at the table that um, you, you can never forget? A memorable moment mm. of something that happened with you or in your life? Hmm. I've never thought about that. I mean, the, the picture I get in my mind, I joke with my brother about it a lot. Um, at our church as a kid, we would always have these green beans after church. And I've never had green beans that tasted like these green beans. I don't know. I don't know if it was ham hock, pork joel, salt, pepper, onion. I don't know what they put in it, but they are a specific green bean that just tastes so good. I say all that to say, um, I remember those early moments as a kid in church after eating food after church, um, singing with my cousins, um, waiting for the next service to start. Again, Pentecostal church with my, with my grandfather on my mom's side. You would have church in the morning. You would eat and go back to church at night. I don't know how I got my homework done. I don't know how I wrote papers in school. I honestly don't remember hardly any of it. God must have just worked a miracle. He just turned in my papers for me because we were in church all the time. But I remember being in church all the time. And there was always food there, like I mentioned. And so I think that's probably the most formative uh, period of my life is is eating, <laughs> eating food before and after church. Yes, beautiful. That'd be a lovely experience. Yeah. If it was a good meeting, it tastes even better. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Who would you like to sit at the table with if you could? You know, if you could invite anyone mm. living or maybe who's passed. Mm-hmm. to a table for a meal who would it be and what would you hope to discuss or learn with wow them? wow am i supposed to say jesus at this point is that the right answer for this podcast we'll get to that question <laughs> okay, that's okay. a good one we will get to that question <laughs> okay okay we'll see this him. is more a wider field got from it. yourself got and it. life and so on got it got it um honestly it doesn't matter which president of the united states i would love to sit with the president of the united states and Obviously, I want him to tell me all his secrets. But even more than that, I would love to hear a perspective of someone who has had the weight of the world on their shoulders and how they literally got up in the morning. I would just, I would just love to, to hear that. Um, and hopefully they would be honest with me, an honest politician. Um, and then I would I'd love to sit with David from Scripture. Man, he, he's an interesting dude musician creative uh but king and ruler and warrior i would love to hear some of his story um and perspective Mm. a couple of good good ideas there maybe together maybe it's david and eisenhower at the same table (laughs) i've listened to um your podcast uh hey wise guys oh cool and thank you what i noticed about it was how honest you were. It's almost like a diary. It almost feels mm. like you have a chance to sit in and listen to your brain, mm. <laughs> think mm. things through, and, mm-hmm. and the way you put together 
the experiences, y- your searching, your questions. Mm-hmm. It's very honest, brother. Thank very you. real. Thank you. Um, uh, I was going to ask is this whole thing about the table is about being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with being vulnerable at the table if you're safe, if you feel safe. That's right. And um, I noticed in those conversations that you have a you had a great concern for family, friends, mm. the town, the people, the community, particularly through tough times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very special to you, isn't it? Being able mm-hmm. to find hope through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I. Um... There's so much about the Pentecostal tradition that I'm grateful for. One of the things that I've had to grow in is how to have a theology about sorrow um, that wasn't dismissive. Um, And this is not a statement against all Pentecostal churches or all Pentecostal theology. This is my experience. Um, And so I think that's where my sensitivity comes from is, is glossing over what is real life with religious statements and, and, and clothing without addressing what Jesus, the incarnate Messiah actually did, which was enter into and be acquainted with grief and sorrow. That being said, a lot of people have said about my music and my ministry that I bring a lot of joy to the room. That I bring a lot mm-hmm. of inspiration to the room. So I'm, I'm not creating a, the- a theology of wallow and sorrow. I'm actually going after what is real joy. And I don't know if you can really know real joy unless you are open to real sorrow. And um, so that podcast, the Hey Wise podcast, I'm just, I was trying to give people an example, not a perfect one, but an example of how I would look at decisions like who should I marry or what if I don't get the job that I want or what if um, I lose a friend and trying to help them read scripture and engage with God through prayer, um, not as let me just fix the problem, but let me invite God into the problem and learn about him and learn about me. And that's easier said than done because of course I don't want to be sick and of course I don't want to be rejected and of course I don't want to be sad. But I've learned that even sadness has a purpose. You know, sadness is a, is, is a gift because it, it shows you what's valuable to you. If you're sad about losing a loved one, the gift of that sadness is I actually love that person. And so what does God say about love? What does God say about valuing people? Um, And what, what joy did I get to experience because of that love that I have for that person? What memories do I do? Do I have? And honestly, I'll take it as far as what songs would honestly, but also truthfully express what love looks like. Um, What sadness looks like, what joy looks like. And I think because I have this bent toward learning and theology, as well as a strong affinity toward music and creativity, a lot of the content that I create has a little bit of both, a little bit of teaching and vulnerable learning with creativity and artistic um, expression. Um, I kind of look at it like grace and truth. I try to set up most of what I do with grace and truth. Truth being statements of of God's faithfulness and statements of his goodness combined with grace, which is an expression of what God can do through me, what empowerment he's given me through my story. Um, I'm not sure that answered your question, but um, uh, I, I, 
I love the idea of testimony. I think testimony is, is a great word because it, it combines, if it's a faithful testimony, if we're a faithful eyewitness of the goodness of Jesus, um, our testimonies can be a bridge between grace and truth. And we can express to people, um, if he did it for me, if he, if he set me free, if he delivered me, and you, if I could be honest about where I was before Jesus, then that would give hope to someone who's currently in the, in the situation or maybe will go through the situation to know that um, the same God that delivered Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and my grandma and my mom will deliver me and you. Mm. That's the hope anyway, to communicate. That's a good sermon, brother. No. That's a good sermon. <laughs> Can I ask you if you could sit with Jesus in a mm. room, literally, mm -hmm. what would uh, you like to say? Oh, oh man. I don't think I should, I don't think I should say much. <laughs> I think I should just look at him for a long time and see if there's anything he wants to say. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I read about him in scripture, one or two phrases just changes everything. And so, I definitely wouldn't say much. I would highly ask questions. And, you know, I could go about this a couple of ways. Right now, I'm, I'm emoting a response. Like, I don't know what I would say to Jesus because I don't know how I'd feel. From a logical standpoint, I got a whole, I got a book of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about creation. I want to talk about Torah. I want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about predestination. I got a lot of questions. Um, but from a personal, emotional standpoint, Man, I think I would I would say things like, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's probably as much as I can't even get through it right now. But I, I would say thank you. And uh, I really love you. Mm. And what would you hope he might say to you? Oh, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> If he said anything back to, I mean, just the sound of his voice would probably take me down. But um, what I would hope he would say to me is, I love you. And um, well done. Um, I think those two statements. It'd be a short conversation, Andrew. I don't, I don't know if it'd be worth videotaping that conversation unless you just want <laughs> like mm -hmm. staring at a painting. But um, yeah, man, my words would be few the more I think about it. And I think his words would be few. Um, but after that moment of like 500 years, then we would have a really great <laughs> meal and a great conversation about all the things. Like I would, I would, the geeky side of me is like, how did you orchestrate all of these people's stories and still get to all things work together. How did you do go? I want to go back to 1973 and talk about that. Then I want to go back to 83. I want to talk about the cross. And then I want to go back to, you got to show me how you did all that. And I feel like he'd be like, I can't wait. Let me show you, let me, let me show you what I did. So after the emotional stuff, man, we would have fun getting into details about what, what he did. Hmm. The final question I want to ask you is if people are listening today who haven't made up their mind about coming to the table mm. to be with Jesus, mm -hmm. 
for for all sorts of reasons. And we could list hundreds of reasons why people don't. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone though who might be listening today and the table's there. Yeah. Jesus is there, but they're not sure. Yeah. The first thought that comes to mind is Jesus sat at more tables than he flipped. He he was concerned and empathetic with people who needed him. And we characterize him a lot as kind of a militant, um, angry, um, you know, threat. Uh, and he is a threat, but not to the things I think we think he's a threat to. He's a, he's a threat to pride and he's a threat to selfishness. He's a threat to self-centeredness and injustice. But the way he went about handling those things, in one case, was flipping tables. But way more often, it was conversation, seeing people, sitting with them, welcoming them, touching them, honoring them, lifting them up, opening their eyes, healing their bodies, healing their mother-in-law, Peter. I mean, it's just, he knew how to touch us in a way that no one else could touch us emotionally and spiritually, physically. And so I would say to someone, if, if you've heard about Jesus, what have you heard? Because I think the Jesus that came to us as a babe and died on the cross, um, despite his uh, ability to completely enact justice on us that we deserved, he decided to hug us and hold us and keep us instead. And uh, man, tell me anybody else that can do that. What other table do you want to sit at? Who else can love you like that? Who else can hold you and heal you like that? I don't know anybody else. Um, and if that's true, wouldn't you want to try it? Wouldn't you want to at least see if, if when you want to taste and see if he is really that good? And that's not a promise of no trial or temptation or threat of, of even dying for what you believe. That's part of, part of loving someone is being willing to die for them. But the, but the good news is he already died for you. So he's not asking anything of you that he hasn't already done. Um, in fact, it's a gift to him to say, I owe you my life. I owe you everything that I have. And uh, I think one of the biggest, a few of the biggest barriers to sit with Jesus is a reputation that he has because of his kids and his brothers, us, the church. And so um, if, if you've been hurt by, if you're listening, you've been hurt by the church, I'm so sorry. I'm, uh, I feel your pain. I'm so remorseful about that. Um, you also got to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And um, he can heal the deepest hurts. Um, and the same way that you were hurt actually could be the way that God wants to heal you. A brokenness in a church situation could turn into one of the best testimonies you've ever had of healing and reconciliation. That's a long answer, but I, I, uh, I just want to paint the picture of who Jesus is, or at least who he's been to me and who I believe he's described in scripture. And, um, I don't think you can, once you taste and see, once you walk in the light, you're going to have to make a choice. Some people will say no to him. But I, my prayer is that people would say yes and experience the grace um, that changes lives.
Dwan Hill, it's been an absolute joy talking with you. My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you for having me, man. This is really beautiful. It's wonderful to be together at the table. Yes. And to share so honestly and from such an open heart. And um, I pray God's blessing on you, man, as you Mm. continue with with the wonderful work you're doing with the choir room and and all these songs you're writing. God bless you. Thank you so much, Andrew. Bless you, man. I pray this podcast reaches a lot of people and... Thank you for having me. Together at the table. Together at the Table is an Integrity Music podcast and hosted by Andrew Phillips. The show is produced by Lasting Media Group. Our executive producers are Andrew Phillips and Jason B. Jones. Special thanks to Callie Argent, Bruno Balduino, Olivia Buchanan, Madison France, Alicia St. Gillet, Robbie Moore, Matt Lott, Noah Newman, and John Schneck. Our theme music is Good God, Lo-Fi Version by Special Music from their upcoming album, Still Worship, Lo-Fi, Volume 2. To listen to more lo-fi and Christian instrumental music, search for Still Worship wherever you listen to music. To learn more about Together at the Table, as well as Integrity Music, visit integritymusic.com. And to get more involved with the show, follow us on socials at Together Table Pod. We've also set up a voicemail at 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. If you have comments or questions or you'd like to be a part of the show, please call and leave a message. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps keep Together at the Table on the charts where people can find our show. Thank you once again for being with us Together at the Table.